0: Welcome to another episode of Design Under Influence, a show that focuses on helping architecture, design, and engineering firms use technology as your competitive advantage. I'm your host, Alex Ostenenko, and uh, the CEO of ARKIT is my co-host. I'm very honored to co-host the show with him. His name is?
1: Boris Rappaport. Well, uh, welcome, everybody, to our show, and uh, good, good afternoon.
0: Good afternoon. Hey, let's jump right into in a topic. People are busy, right? So let's just let's start um, by unpacking this new term and what it means. Uh, In fact, in the business circles I'm in, various uh, clubs and whatnot for entrepreneurs, founders, people are buzzing about virtual, well, desktop as a service. You call some of this VDI. I want to unpack this. Like, this is a solution to remote work. That is the point of conversations in a lot of businesses right now. So let's try to unpack this. Um, Boris, what does that mean to you? Like what desktop as a service, how is it a new infrastructure? How does it work? Uh, um, Give us like a, first of all, a high level. All
1: right, so at the high level, um, desktop as a service is part of the concept um, called VDI. And what that is, is virtual desktop infrastructure. What that means is that we've, you know, we've had this technology for about 15 years where we could virtualize the servers, but only in the last five years we've really started to virtualize the desktops. And it's become mainstream really in the last year, where it's become cost effective uh, to you know to bring to the business. And what it basically means is you have a big box either in your office or in a cloud. That houses these virtual workstations, right? So it's one physical box that has virtual workstations running on it, and your people can use cheap devices like iPads or you know low-end computers or even mobile phones, um, if you know they can see the graphics on the screen, to access these virtual desktops and do all of their work because all the um, you know all the processing power and all all the Storage that it needs actually lives, um, on this box.
0: Hmm. Interesting. Right away. Like this, I guess, uh, springs to my mind, um, as an objection. Well, isn't like architecture and or design software super heavy. Like, what are you talking about? Be like, how, how, <laughs> how can this run on an iPad or, or even like, let's say uh, a Chromebook?
1: Exactly. Exactly. And what we've, uh, Again, what we've been able to do in the last five years and especially in the last year is to virtualize not only uh, just the regular kind of processor, the regular RAM, but also with the NVIDIA virtual technologies, we can virtualize the graphics cards and the heavy graphics components that are required to run architecture and design software. So we have to remember all of the processing is actually happening on the virtual infrastructure. All you're doing is you're accessing it, even from your mobile device. You're just sending the clicks to the machine, and then the machine returns output back to you.
0: Wow, sounds super futuristic. But like, if you think about this, connecting to what I hear about PlayStation Five coming out, it's like that is isn't that virtualized? Uh, I don't know how much you know about it. or have heard about it, but what in my what in my reading and stuff, I'm not a huge gamer, but I'm curious, like that tech is usually the leading edge game tech. And so that, you know, a lot of capabilities of PlayStation 5 will be related to cloud computing. As far as I understand, and please correct me if I'm wrong.
1: Um, yeah, that's what I heard as well. But I, like you just mentioned, I'm not really into, um, you know, gaming as much on that front. So I don't know the exact details, but yeah, you're basically... I mean, we're kind of doing that with all the other stuff. It just we haven't been able to do it with graphics up until most recently, right? But now we're able to do that as well. So all the, as long as all the computing uh, is happening somewhere in a remote location and your device just receives the, sends the inputs and receives the outputs, um, that's basically the technology we're talking about. It's virtualization technology, remote access technology, uh, and remote desktop technology.
0: It sounds fascinating. It sounds incredibly efficient. If you think about it, like say, you know, Google and stuff like they have these huge data centers and that's a lot of processing happens there. And so bringing that to an end consumer is, 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 is only, it was only a matter of time, but you're saying it's here now. Okay. Um, and I think you're, we're implementing for one of the customers or, or will be very shortly, but let me ask you this cost effective. Um, like I think people listening right now, watching right now, be like, Okay, Boris, that's, that's nice uh, futuristic talk you just gave us. Um, <laughs> but you know what? I run a business. My resources are limited. So talk to us about cost. Mm-hmm.
1: So there are various ways to look at it, right? Because in the end, it's about having the cost-benefit analysis. But at a straight-up cost, for example, if I were to, you know, if I, if I have a 100-person architecture firm, right, and we run, you know, heavy graphics applications, we're on Revit, um, we're on Enscape or Lumen, which is three d uh, software to visualize um, all our revit models. We're basically using workstations that you know cost us anywhere from three to four thousand dollars, right for each one of our employees. So if it's a hundred person firm and you know let's just say it's a four thousand dollars computer that is four hundred thousand dollars that you're investing into your... But does
0: everyone... Uh, sorry right. to interrupt. I just, I, I just want to be conservative here or, or like realistic. Does everyone need that expensive workstation or only architects?
1: Only architects. So, all right. Well... Sorry. Sorry to burst your bubble. <laughs> I think they make me do math, man. Come on. <laughs> no,
0: it's no, just like, let's say 20. You need 20 or 30 of those stations, right?
1: Uh, let's just say... Well, let's or just 50. say... I mean, 70% of most firms are architects, right? So 70 computers times mm-hmm. 4, grand. Right. Now, the other people usually get lower end computers, but they're still, you know, they still get computers that are powerful enough. Mm. And I think at most of the firms that we work with, everybody kind of gets a standard computer just so that we can move them around and swap. Right. So even people who are in accounting may still have the four thousand dollar computer just because they. Need. It's easy to buy in bulk and to standardize.
0: So the equipment and a hundred person architecture firm. Um, runs anywhere from 300 to 500 K?
1: Yeah, quite possible. Um, and usually these workstations kind of get outdated within three to four year periods. So they need to replace, be replaced every three to four years, right? At three years, you start thinking about it, probably replace them at four.
0: Okay. And and the reason for that is, is that we already had an episode on this, but just a reminder for folks, you know this equipment gets end of life uh, very quickly, and not only processing power is just the boards and the way it's designed. It, it's not it's it, it's not designed to survive beyond that, or be reliable and effective beyond that. Is that right?
1: Right, be reliable for business use. You start seeing issues. Um, your employees start losing productivity because there's more issues, and so on and so on. It's easier to go out and at that point buy a new machine that deal with these issues all the time. So for, for the estimate that we're doing right now, that's basically kind of numbers that we're looking at. So now imagine that all I really need to do is build, basically build an infrastructure so that all of my machines are virtual. Now, also let's remember that since we're working remotely right now, uh, most of our heavy use machines are sitting in our office uh, with no people in front of them, right? And we're still using our home laptop or home computer or um, something that we, a device that we have at home to connect to those machines, right? So basically, we're already at a point where we're using uh, one, you know, kind of device that does all the processing and lives on our network and accesses all our files and opens all our models and does all our graphics. And then a remote device that we have at home that may not be as Got
0: Gotcha. And what about the... Um... So the cost of equipment, so I, I, I sense there's some savings, uh, significant savings in the cost of equipment itself. What about the efficiency? Like, let's, let's put aside the remote work environment we're living right now, because I think that's a huge benefit that we can unpack this on its own right. But beyond that, are there any efficiency gains from a speed perspective or, or access perspective or security perspective?
1: Uh, well, there are definitely, so the, the product itself, the VDI product, and depending which one we choose, there's, there's various players in the market, but they're all do very similar things. It allows us to control who has access to what and allows us to also uh, essentially virtualize not only the full workstations but individual applications. And then I s- assign those applications uh, to our employees. Right so the person would just go to a website, log into the portal and then see either their workstation or applications that are assigned to them and that way we can control access that you know that people have um, to our internal resources right so it makes the control of uh, it easier now and also these people are not connecting uh, from their home computers not connecting directly uh, to our network so that secures it as well in a way um, where we can bring, for example, in your home, you have a kid that downloaded a bunch of games. My my son does that all the time, right? That can cause some issues because the games may have some security flaws in them. Uh, we're not bringing that to our infrastructure, right? We're again, we're only sending clicks back and forth, back and forth, back and
0: forth. Mm. And the topic of phishing, <laughs> social engineering, hacking of, of all sorts is just red hot right now. You look at LinkedIn, like that's all people talking about because it's so raw, so real. I mean, hospitals are getting hacked, health systems are getting hacked. People are now dying because of these uh, ransom um, ransomware crooks and all kinds of things going on. So I I bet this is front and center for a lot of your customers. Are you hearing the buzz or are, are you having to convince people to go that route? Oh, and by the way, what does a transition or implementation looks like? Sounds pretty involved. Wow, oh, you just asked like four questions. I know, I love, <laughs> I, love, I love to wrap a question within a question and, and, and hand you the ball.
1: <laughs> Thanks, man, appreciate that. Um, so going back to the topic of phishing, even though it's front and center, uh, when we talk about virtual desktop infrastructure or virtualization or desktop as a service, it does not necessarily come to play in that sense, right? However, having centralized management over all your devices, be it virtual or physical, Um, does help in terms of security, right? It's much easier to roll out patches to virtual desktop. It's my, because, you know, your IT people don't have to go from desktop to desktop to get stuff rolled out. It all gets rolled into an image and then automatically distributed to all the virtual components that we have. So that piece definitely helps in terms of security. And then, sorry, what was the other question? Well, the
0: other question, maybe maybe it's a big one to tackle on its own. Um, The transition, like, it, it, as a business owner, it sounds scary to me, to, and quite involved. Is it? Am I right to presume that?
1: There are definitely some implementation costs there, right? But so altogether, again, for and there also, I think when we talk about costs and stuff that's involved, there's an entry point for the size of the firm you have, right? So when we specifically talk about VDI um, as an on-premise components to replace your physical systems. We're probably talking about firms that are about 80 people in size or more. That's when it makes the most financial sense, right? If you're below that, then you have to really look at what the cost benefit is and try to find out if this is for you. I mean, the improvements are enormous in terms of ease of use, ease of access for your remote people, you know, security, as we talked about, but you're probably going to pay a little more than what you're spending on hardware right now. So you have to make sure that that makes sense for
0: you know, we should do a case study uh, for the customer we're going to roll out for. Um, I think there are about 100 people, right? So um, yep. so that would be an awesome case study to share with the listeners. Um, so time-wise, what does it look like um, to get up on something like this? What do you estimate uh, go from like, hey, uh, sign the contract to, you know, actually being fully on the remote desktop?
1: Well, implementation would take, I'd say, about three weeks. Um, That's it? Wow. Yeah. So the implementation is pretty straightforward. But um, as you're doing the financial feasibility study, uh, what we also recommend is doing a pilot uh, before the actual full implementation. Right. So this is where we can come in and do a small implementation so that your end users and, you know, we ask to choose from a few different groups, right? One would be an architect and designer. One would be somebody who is an office worker. Uh, One could be, you know, somewhat of a power user of graphics app, right? So not just an architect or designer, but somebody who's actually always doing 3D renderings and things like that. So we get those people to use the system and give us their feedback so that we can properly tune it or look at additional options that we may need to implement so that process before the actual implementation can also take you know three to four weeks just to iron everything out once we have that all ironed out um, then yeah the implementation is pretty straightforward and obviously as any new uh, system you need to provide some additional training for the user making sure that they can access it properly and support and management is also something that we recommend um, not just. You know, having professionals look after your systems when you implement it is better than trying to do it yourself. Obviously,
0: can people use existing machines beyond implementation, or, or I guess you said any machines, right? So existing ones will work.
1: Yeah. So if we already have the hardware that's in place, we're basically extending the life of that hardware because um, they can now use those machines. Which are becoming less powerful and more likely to break they can still use them to access the virtual desktop so that basically prolongs their life you know for maybe instead of three four years we're doing five to seven years because they don't have to do the heavy processing anymore
0: So almost double the useful life of your equipment wow yep. okay that's that sounds like a 400k back in my pocket um <laughs> Yeah, man, you, you got me listening. So what is the, um, let me ask you about more uh, specifically the some of the things I'm thinking about is like throttling computing power. Is it part of the, like, can you, when you say tuning the system, are you tuning the, the computing power versus cost?
1: Or what are you tuning? Yeah, well, we're trying to figure out if the environment that we've initially spec'd out will work, right? Because we need, everybody is a different use case. So we need to make sure that what we've put in place and have assumed for what people need to use certain pieces of software, right? Then do certain tasks like power user versus regular user versus office worker, for example, is correct. And we may need to make adjustments on the fly to make sure that they're getting the right performance that they're looking for. Now, once we identify all that, then we can go back and see if our design Actually accommodated for all of that, or if we need to maybe add a little bit additional horsepower. Usually, what we find um, is that we're pretty good at sizing those out, just because we, have you know, we work with so many architecture firms and we know the software so well. Mm,
0: very interesting. And so, going back and talking about remote work. To, to me like the, all the all the pieces of the puzzle fit in really well and almost answers it it's, itself like are there any intricacies or advantages that I have not like as as a business owner I I can't think about right now because to me it sounds very very simple now my workforce could be virtualized at any point and I could be like achieve equal productivity and as people will be in the office working in those in those expensive workstations, but are there other benefits that I'm not thinking about?
1: Yeah, so let's look at something that you mentioned at the beginning of the show, but I, I don't think we've talked about. so we've talked about VDI, which is basically the kind of the overall concept. There's also a concept of desktop as a service, and what that allows us to do is to move all this VDI and storage infrastructure in our files. Not to have it on our premises, in our data center, in our office, but to actually have it in the cloud, right? Use, using providers, um, either like us, ArcIT, or I mean, just any public cloud provider like Microsoft, Azure, or Amazon IWS, or Google Cloud to actually run these virtual workstations in a cloud and have all your files stored in that same place and then access it remotely through the use um, of the VDI technology. So that improves not only our ability for remote access, but also what if we, you know, what if we decide not to have an office anymore, right? Think about that. Like we don't have the place to put this infrastructure anymore and we don't need to. It will live in a cloud. You don't pay rent. <laughs> um, so so that's one of the benefits. Another one is now that it lives in a the cloud, there's virtually, you know, any cloud service has disaster recovery that's already baked into it. So, For example, when we're in our local office, one of the risks is, well, what happens if there's a power outage, right? Can our people now access our systems? What happens if our internet goes out? What happens if there is a fire in the building? So all of those get addressed when we start using desktop as a service in the cloud, because uh, most of the reliable cloud providers that I've just mentioned will never have those issues, right? Their power will never go out. Their internet will never fail. And if there's a fire in the data center, they have other data centers they can run your um run your desktops
0: so i imagine they have some redu- uh, some significant redundancy and and, and th- those kinds of things built in to ensure because this is critical this is business critical this is not mickey mouse this is not nice to have this is not you know tuning out with netflix this is and i'm not saying anything bad about netflix great service but <laughs> look I- if it's not working today like okay i'll be you know, a little upset, but if I can't access my email for work, for example, or my project management, you know, I am out of business.
1: Correct. And so, again, the public cloud providers I've mentioned, as well as other uh, cloud providers like ourselves and, you know, others who do this type of work, basically guarantee that there's 99.9% uptime, virtually no downtime whatsoever for these systems.
0: Gotcha. Well, this was uh, very informative, uh, informative. I hope uh, you, those of you on the other side of the internet, uh, got the download on this. It's pretty cool. Um, you can find us ArchIT uh, folks, uh, both Boris and I at ArcIT. get ARKIT.com. we're also on Facebook. We're on LinkedIn. You need us. Uh, we're on Instagram even, right? Insta baby. Yeah, we're Instagramming. And then, uh, yeah, so all, those, all your difficult questions, pipe them our way, and we'd be happy to tackle them for you. If you need help with your IT services or just consultation, again, reach out to us. Otherwise, have a wonderful day. Stay productive. Stay safe. Be smart and smile. Thanks a lot for watching.
1: Bye, everyone.